Hello and welcome to this week's investment update. Uh, a few bumps in markets over the past couple of days, but where do we go from here? I'm Richard Edgar, talking to you from my home on the south coast of England, and I'm joined on the live by Fidelis' Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Richard. Now, Andrew, um, I'd like to know, what does a Chief Investment Officer do on their Easter break? Did you even get one? Uh, well, I did get some, that, uh, which was very pleasant. Um, uh, sadly, uh, yeah, there's uh, quite a lot to, uh, to still have to, uh, to do, um, which takes up a bit of the time. But uh, I'm very fortunate in that um, the good weather allowed me to be very cheap labour for my wife in the garden. So um, <laughs> uh, normally that uh, you know, when she needs the opportunity to have something moved that's heavy or uh, the compost being um, properly turned over, then uh, you know, I know my name's going to be called. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're earning your keep. Um, but let's talk about the markets, um, a bit of a, an update on them. Um, how has their character changed over the past uh, few days since we've had that Easter break? So I think that the um, uh, you know, environment that we entered the, the Easter weekend with um, was one where we'd seen uh, you know, a bit more optimism, um, that uh, signs of some of that flattening off in the, the curvature that we talk about for COVID-19, so that uh, uh, you know, degree to which you're seeing new cases um, uh, developing and the stress that would put on to uh, the, the various uh, you know, medical um, uh, structures across the different countries. Um, and also a degree of short covering as that um, optimism built from the degree as well of intervention and how that would uh, help support markets in terms of one, the uh, sort of mechanisms within the market. So the regularly discussed signals around um, you know, volatility and funding rates were calming down spreads um, and especially the, the nature of um, the Fed's announcement to again support basically fallen angels from the investment grade uh, sector to high yield, but also the high yield ETFs and other parts of uh, uh, the economy through their direct funding support. So there was a better tone. I think as we come into to this week and as um, uh, you know, we look to, uh, to what comes next, there's a bit more of a focus on to where is the real economic consequence of this? What is the pace towards the unwind of lockdown? Um, you know, what are the, the insights coming from countries that have started to see some return to activity, uh, especially looking across to China? The biggest um, uh, country, of course, the, the United States, which has had some dreadful jobless claims um, data from there as well. H- how is all of this economic data playing out in, with, with investors? So I think at the moment, there's a degree of um, trying to look through it because of the degree to which the intervention has been so rapid and so sizable. Um, there's also a sense of that if we can get to a period of picking up activity, that this will be something that is put behind us because of that level of support to individuals and to companies. The challenge now is, uh, I think, a combination of one, how deep is the uh, downturn for that data, but also that is the level of intervention support taking place across different countries getting into the hands it needs to, how quickly that's happening, will it stave off from being a liquidity uh, risk you know, to the solvency risk that some uh, you know, companies will feel. And obviously the challenge that we then have is that if lockdown is gradually uh, removed, what is the phase process of that activity and how long will this last? Will it be a degree of uh, that we get through this stage, but then there's a second uh, phase of uh, uh, concern later? How quickly do we get to 
really proper testing and the ability to really ramp up activity and how far away could a vaccine that allows us to, to return to some sort of normality of, uh, of life as well. So those questions, I think, have come much more to the fore again as we um, uh, you know, start the, uh, the post-Easter uh, period. An awful lot of questions, as you say. Are you beginning to um, be able to answer some of them? I know that, the, that you and the team have been working on scenarios that give some sort of uh, shape of how we think the, uh, the next few months might play out. So I think there's actually that um, <clears throat> two parts that have been really uh, impressive in terms of the, the bottom-up and top-down elements of trying to understand um, you know, the macro and micro uh, environments we're now having to uh, navigate. Uh, one was uh, uh, the recent um, survey from our analysts, uh, a pulse survey, which really is just an update on their thoughts from conversations with companies, how long the impact will be um, you know, for individual companies across different sectors, what it will mean um, for earnings, what it will mean for their liquidity and the risks around their solvency. And I think that that was um, very insightful uh, in that uh, the change over the last few weeks has been quite considerable. Um, and showing that a number of companies feeling uh, you know, more stressed that the outlook is uh, going to be somewhat elongated and challenging to get back to levels of activity and um, you know, earnings that uh, you would have been anything close to um, uh, you know, the pre-COVID-19 environment. Combined with that is that looking at our <clears throat> sort of more macro um, profiles is starting to pull together from uh, you know what is a dedicated team have done enormous amount of work around COVID-19 you know whether it be from the diagnostics perspective from therapeutic um, approaches developing and obviously ultimately a, a vaccine and how this is evolving around the, the world and those insights combined with thinking through uh, both the combination of intervention that we've seen to date uh, and also, you know, what we see is the the risks around um, you know certain parts of the economy. Then we come up with, I suppose, three key scenarios. Um, the reality is, I think they're just staging posts that give us a a sense of what uh, you know the um, forward looking profile may be. And within those, we have a baseline which really is looking for growth. Um, uh, to be negative uh, in 2020 of in the region of one and a half to two percent. Um, that's driven by a view that it's more of a, a sort of a, U, a drawn out U-shape um, recovery. So phased activity, some elements of risks around um, you know, second waves, but you know, the economy getting back to a level of, uh, of activity as we head out of 2020. Now, I, I think you, you put about a, a 60% um, probability on that, but there is a risk to the downside as well. What's the, um, the worst case um, uh, outcome? So I think that's really the, the one where we see it really... It's a prolonged period of uh, and challenging, um, you know, phased process of getting back to activity that we don't really see that the, the economy starts to pick up until you've had much stronger um, uh, uh, position around therapeutic approach, which you know, basically that we have effective testing and um, can allow people to be back to um, a working process across the world. Um, and I'll come back to why I say that in a second. Um, but also that uh, you know, vaccine is not likely to be operational for um, uh, you know, large parts of the population until the middle of 2021, which would mean that economic growth would be very challenging and likely to be down more in the region of uh, 5%. Uh, and that would have um, significant repercussions for earnings, for um, you know, the challenges around defaults and therefore the pricing for financial assets. 
and the the part about the the world um, is that uh, you know, we have such a, a staggered element of um, uh, the the uh, activity coming back on um, uh, you know, tap at this stage that uh, the risk is you're going to see uh, a degree of unsynchronized um, you know activity, which means that some of the supply chains are going to be challenged. Some of the supplies around certain elements of the key across different countries, you know, will take longer to come back into, uh, you know, fully active profile, um, and also just the nature of um, how you know certain industries, certain activities, you know, will be likely viewed as we're seeing in China, um, you know, slow to be embraced again, such as going out to restaurants, to cinemas, and so on, which um, are improving, but are proving slowly uh, within China in the current data we see. So you're trying to think through the different ways that this might um, play out. When they are so different, um, well, none of them looks particularly positive, it has to be said, but um, uh, different uh, grades of difficulties ahead. How do you allocate um, assets accordingly in that in that environment? So I think that's where we come back to um, uh, you know, a couple of things we've touched on recently. Uh, one of the big parts was where, where is the direct intervention um, you know, being directed to? And that clearly, um, to start with, when you look at the Fed, the ECB, um, the Bank of England and others, it's very much to, to buy uh, you know, the security, the bonds of um, you know, certain parts of the credit markets uh, and certain parts of cross, you know, all um, uh, you know, bond markets. And I think that's one way you have seen, you know, effectively you've got a, uh, you know, a buyer of last resort, in some cases a buyer of first resort, um, that really is significant um, uh, you know, underpinning for those markets. So you know, in, in the investment grade sector, and especially in, this, in the US with what the Fed's done, but also parts of the high yield market, you know, now with what they've discounted into March, they have bounced a reasonable uh, way, but um, they still look like the the, the risk for the relative reward given that backstop um, is quite attractive. It means that um, you know, when you look at that for some of the other asset classes, obviously to, to equities, and as we have yet to see you know, how this feeds through the economy, so maybe for some of the private markets, especially around the debt and equity side as well, that there's more challenges um, to be felt and not that direct level of um, support today. So uh, I think you know, as we've touched on, that there's been you know interest uh, uh, you know, that we've seen from our asset allocation to to move to those sectors. We've seen investors, um, you know, also coming back to look at high yield emerging market debt and investment grade um, uh, bonds as well in uh, the last uh, week or two, and and that makes a great deal of sense given that intervention. The challenge will be. As we start to get more signals on these scenarios and start to see, you know, are are we moving between those implied, you know, V shape for the for the positive outlook, which we we think will be difficult to achieve, the sort of U shape, and is it a prolonged U or a, uh, maybe a shortened one that um, could give a slightly more favourable uh, uh, profile, or that extended, um, you know, element of, of maybe looks like a, a form of W or an L. Uh, that um, you know, would prolong the stress into 2021. Um, you know, we're looking for the signals how they they develop, and I think that you know at some point the degree to which we're discounting, uh, you know, especially if it's that latter scenario, 
will mean that you know we we can find opportunities that um, you know in the market that one should maybe be a little bit more optimistic because the pricing has discounted such a negative scenario. Um, the chances are that uh, you know it can be better. At the moment, we're somewhat priced, um, I think, for a slightly more favourable um, scenario, um, and therefore that uh, the challenges are greater. So that means you think that the market could fall. Uh, I think when we so when I I'll be specific when we look at some of the the equity markets um, and especially in the West in Europe and uh, and uh, distinctly in the US that uh, yes that they're most probably near the top end of trading ranges for the moment um, that uh, you know sort of optimism and bounce back um, uh, I think has has taken out a lot of that um, you know over pessimistic um, pricing um, but. Uh, you know, we've got to see a bit more information and uh, likely the markets uh, you know, are going to struggle to get the sort of good news um, that can propel them much further than this. And the challenge is to test out uh, you know, how good the support is um, and what the evolution of that data and insight is over the course of the next few weeks uh, as maybe we trade off again. Well, we'll hear lots more from you about that, I'm sure. And the alphabet soup of possibilities, um, V, U, L, W. We'll have some spelling tests as well, I'm sure. Uh, thank you, Andrew. That brings us to the end of this CIO update. You can hear more from Fidelity's investment team on the coronavirus, market response and investment implications on both the Rich Pickings and Fidelity Answers podcast channels. Just search for those titles in your podcast app. And you can also read the latest thinking online at fidelityinstitutional.com. The producer today was Seb Morton-Clark with production support from Alex Wilcox. From all of us though, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.